Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Defo Data Channel podcast. I am your host Deepak and with me we have Mr. Miguel Fierro. Miguel leads the personalization team at Microsoft and was previously uh, CEO and, uh, and founder of uh, Samsamia Technologies. Miguel is the maintainer of uh, Recommenders which is the top open source repository in recommendation systems. He has also contributed uh, to the deep learning frameworks such as MXNet and uh, CNDK. Today we will hear a lot about how AI based recommendation system and how it's actually advancing in this field. It's, it's a pleasure to have you here today, Mikhail, and uh, thank you for accepting my invitation. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Deepak. Happy, happy to be here with you. Great, great to hear. So I have a couple of questions and uh, starting with this one. So could you talk a bit about the evolution of uh, recommendation systems? Yeah. Well, the recommendation system is, is an interesting part of, of machine learning. The, um, the main idea is that it's an information filter. And what we want is, is kind of the evolution of search engines, right? So in a search engine, if you think about it, basically what you want is you want to uh, get some information. Right, uh, you go to Google and, and you search. Okay, I, I want to know about uh, any topic. Now, a recommendation system is can be seen also as, as, a, as a search engine, but it's adapted to each person specifically, right? So the idea is that it a recommendation system understands the behavior of each person at an at atomic level. And it allows um, it it recommends or it predicts the the behavior of, of the of the person. And you can provide solutions or, or items or, or techniques or, or products to, to to these people, right? So the the key the key here is that it understands the behavior of, of people, right? And that is that is pretty interesting. That is pretty interesting, right? Because um, it is used, for example, a lot in in sales. So if, if you think about it, in in sales, one of the most important thing is you want to understand what the person wants. That's kind of the the main concept of sales. When you go to a store, you have uh, typically a person that that comes to you and say, "Hi, good morning. What are you looking for?" Right. And then this person is kind of okay. Are you are you looking for for I don't know jeans? Are you looking for for a book? Are you looking? And then this person is kind of you know filtering somehow like of, of all the items available that that the store may have. And they say okay, so I'm, you want books? And what kind of books? Well, I'm interested in technical books. And okay, may I'm you're I'm interested in AI books, for example. Okay, so suddenly you went from from all the uh, solution space of millions of, of, of items to something very, very, very small, right? And this is something that has been, uh, everybody has experienced that, right? Now, recommendation system allows to imitate this process in a programmatic way and at scale. So that's the key, right? Like you can, you can do this at scale. Um, now, initially what happened was that um, with with the, the growth of AI at the beginning of the uh, 50s, um, people started with 
computer vision and NLP. Typically, this, this, I would say that these are the, the biggest uh, areas in AI. And there has been a lot of uh, research there. And then there are some other like, like recommendation systems. Maybe at the, in the 2000s, uh, so there is the Belcourt solution, for example, for, for a Netflix prize that, you know, uh, for the first time people were able to, to uh, identify the, the preferences of, of movies. And I think that's when people started getting attention to, to these systems, right? Uh, the, the main problem, the main problem in comparison, like recommendations in comparison with NLP or, or computer vision is that recommendation is, is a partially observable uh, system, right? So partially observable is that you don't really, you, you don't, you cannot access all the information in, in when you are doing computer vision or when you are doing NLP. So you have, let, let's say you have the picture of a cat. And, and you access all the information, right? You have the picture, you have the cut, and, and okay, you, you, you just need to create a system that is able to identify the, the, the cut within the, the context, right? Um, whereas in recommendation system, what you're doing, the information you have is some literal interactions from the user. But these interactions, they are not directly or explicitly in general uh, gives clues of the behavior or of the interest of the person, right? It's like you cannot read their mind. Like a perfect, a perfect, a perfect observable system would be if we could read, read their mind of the person and they say, okay, yeah, like I, I extract that information. This is what the person wants and, and we give it to her. So these systems are not as, as precise, I would say, as for example, NLP and, and computer vision just for this reason. And, and, and this is this is something that is a problem that we always have. So first, we started with things like uh, um, the Belcourt solution that that is like matrix factorization. That the, the idea is that you you have uh, you want to construct a matrix which is the behavior matrix. So basically, it's like you have uh, in the in in your rows you have the users. And in your columns, you have the items. And basically what you want to, to do is you, you want to give uh, uh, interest in each of the, uh, for each user to each item, right? And that's, that's for example, the, the typical use case is, is for Netflix, right? So basically um, all these, all these uh, media companies, what they do is that they take all their users and provide a score for all the movies. That's that's what and, and basically when you what what you see if you go to Netflix and you you see all the recommendations basically this is this is just that you you have a recommendation for all the I don't know how many movies they have like five thousand ten thousand movies uh, or, or shows that they have and they are giving you the 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 ten the top K the top ten top twenty that actually has the, the have the the highest score right that's what they're doing. And then um, the, the, the te uh, technology is starting to, to evolve. Uh, initially, we were only taking into account user and item interactions, right? And then people start adding other kind of information, for example, um, item uh, details or, or user details, right? And they are kind of 
adding that to, to the models. And, and then maybe the next iteration was around deep learning. People start doing uh, things with LSTNs, with uh, convolutional neural networks. And more recently, uh, we're seeing more like uh, attention mechanism, uh, sequential models with, with transformers. There is a, a, a interesting trend right now of graphical graphical neural networks that, um, particularly in recommendation systems, since it is, it is you can you can pose the problem as a, as a connectivity problem, and, and graphical neural networks are are very powerful in that in that scenario, and also reinforcement learning. One of the and and, and I'm going through more like more advanced to uh, to older to, to newer. Reinforcement learning is, is something that has been going on for some time, but is, is actually very, very difficult to implement. Because if you think about it, uh, a recommendation system is, is, is per se um, um, a closed loop system. So you, you, want to, you want to create a system in real time. Whereas if you think about, if, if you, if you think about all, a lot of the solutions in NLP and computer vision, they are open loop, right? So basically, as you know, you, you, you put a, a prompt of text, uh, you send it to a server and you, you, you receive a response, right? It's, it's kind of, whereas, whereas here is like, okay, so it's a loop. It's, it's, it's a constant feedback loop that the, the user is um, navigating through a web page and is, is kind of moving around, clicking, uh, maybe buying something. So you need to be able to acquire all this data in real time, put it to the model and the model and the model needs to update in real time that using, you know, that's reinforcement learning and that that's pretty, pretty difficult. That's very difficult. And then maybe the last thing which I see very, very interesting is uh, knowledge graphs. So it's not, not, not graphical networks like knowledge graph. Um, and the idea is that a knowledge graph is, is just, um, a data set of pairs of, of concepts that are connected, right? And one, one good example is, for example, imagine if you want to recommend fashion products. If you want to recommend fashion products, what, what people typically do is they, they get uh, in, in the website, they, they acquire all the information of the, of the user, like the interactions, maybe the product information, user information, and they create a network, right? But a knowledge graph can encode something like, like fashion like fashion trends, right? So you can encode, for example, um, what are the, the trends, like what are the, the influencers, the, the models, the, the, the actresses or actors are, are, are you know, wearing. And basically, you can add this information to enrich your your data set right and then you can you can have a, a stronger recommendations so really really interesting i think it's, it's evolving pretty quickly um and but still there's a lot of a lot of room to for improvement great great so thank you thank you for taking us to the entire landscape of uh, recommendation system so uh so which is the best recommendation system available online and uh, uh in your opinion, basically, at this point, there is—I mean, uh, 
there are a lot of really really good really good people there working uh, obviously I mean I'm from Microsoft and 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 some of my colleagues are are fantastic uh, for sure so we uh, there is a team that uh, in Xbox that they are doing a recommender that is actually in production really really strong um, there is uh, some uh, SaaS solutions a personalizer for example that is is really good. It's actually a, a reinforcement learning real-time system, really, really strong, using used by by many companies. Um, my uh, my team, we we have this this open source recommender solution that is Microsoft Recommenders, a repository that there you have some uh, some nice content. Uh, we we collaborated a lot with Microsoft Research, so so a lot of the research that that we produced on Microsoft is, is there. But obviously, you know, not only Microsoft, like Netflix, for example, is, is fantastic. They have been pioneers in, in recommendation systems. Spotify, they, they have a really, really strong team. Um, Amazon, Google, um, you know, like Meta. The, 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 the field is, is full of, of really interesting resources and, 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 and really strong people. And you know, I, I like I like the the approach actually that that Satya Satya Nadella has with um, you know competition versus collaboration, right? Um, even though obviously like Microsoft, Google, like uh, Amazon, we are competitors. We are also in in many cases we are collaborators, right? So in in research, for example, we collaborate a lot. We collaborate with Google. We collaborate with Amazon. So. I like this this fair competition, right? Like we we fairly uh, um, compete as as trying to to create really good products that serve our customers, and at the same time we 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 share to provide a lot of value to to the community. Right, right. So out, so just out of curiosity, so out of the streaming uh, networks which we have, Netflix, Prime, Sony Live, like. Which one do you actually recommend? Like, how do you rank them, basically? Um, how should I rank them? Uh, I mean, for example, I use uh, Netflix and and, and Disney. Uh, I have I have two kids and 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 Disney. I mean, like uh, a lot. I use Disney a lot. Um, so I would say I would say if if you compare these two, for example, I would say that Netflix is 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 stronger, and and it's probably because you know they they have a, a more track record. Like you know they were some of the pioneers in recommendation systems, and they have more people. Probably they 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 make bigger investments in in recommendation systems. So that that is reflected in the in the. Uh, in the results, and if you go to to Rexis, which is one of the uh, top conferences in top conference in, in recommendation systems, you'll see that a lot of times they they um, you know they, they are publishing a lot of papers. Same with, for example, with Amazon.com. Amazon, they were they were pioneers also in in recommendation systems. There was a report done uh, several years ago. From uh, I'm sure it was McKenzie, uh, basically uh, one consultancy. 
they mentioned that 35% of the revenue of Amazon.com come from recommendation system. So, you know, like obviously they, they need to have a, a, a massive team of, of people working on, on recommendation system. And if you go to, to Amazon to a product page, you'll see, you'll see, you know, the, the main uh, product with, with the description and below you start, like every row is a recommendation system. Like you might also like similar products, uh, People who bought this also bought that, right? Um, so yeah, a lot of people, if you look for, uh, you know, maybe some of our customers, um, ASOS in the UK, which is a, a top fashion uh, company in the UK, they, they have that. Um, so yeah, a lot of people working on that and, and, you know, it's very difficult to, to run them. It's very, very difficult, but I think they are doing, a, there is a, a very, very interesting job out there. Right. We all actually use them, so it definitely it's it's very hard yeah. to kind of yeah. And even one thing which I noticed is like it's it's like I I really don't know because uh, so in Sony Live Network, so it's it's purely I bought that uh, channel to watch wrestling matches. Okay, mainly mm. WWE. So that's the main thing which I really watch in that uh, entire <laughs> network, but. I never got that as a recommendation. So every month, every Tuesday morning, Indian time, and Friday, uh, Saturday morning, there are like two shows, Raw and SmackDown from WWE. And every time I watch it, either live or immediately after the broadcast. Okay, But I never got that as a recommendation. And instead, I, I receive all these uh, TV series, movies and everything. But then I really can understand, actually, that recommendation this is not up to par like how we have for yeah. hotstar or netflix or prime basically because it's it's very we can understand the difference because if at all if that person is not interested to watch wrestling he'll never open that uh <laughs> network so we wish yeah. okay this this particular series or this particular channel to be present in netflix or hotstar we, we really yeah. wish actually so I think even the perceptions may change from people like, okay, I really wanted this show to be the here because I really like this platform. So one one of the things that that happened is that um, the there is not a lot of maturity in the um, implementation of these algorithms yet in companies. So a lot of companies, you know, for for a company, you know, if, if you want to do a recommendation system. The easiest thing you can do is something like the most popular rec recommendation, and you don't need an algorithm for that. You, with a SQL query, uh, you know some business rules, you, you can get that. So oftentimes that's that's what people do, and and then it's like okay, you you, you were supposed to so you go to a page, you you think that uh, uh, you know you should have experience like a personalized experience. And you're getting something that you know I don't really care about this movie and that thing. So maybe it's because you know they don't they haven't implemented that. It's it's not easy. It's really it's not easy to to be able to implement a recommendation system. It takes a lot of time, a lot of people. Um, but again, you know, if you do it well, I, I think the benchmark. I, I think you know I I appreciate I really appreciate the information by by Amazon.com. 35% of the revenue of, of Amazon.com is in the, in the tens of billions. So I, I, I'm curious, I, I understand very well, like if, 
when people hear these these numbers, why not they invest more in in, in recommendation in, in recommendation teams, right? Like particularly companies that they are, you know, they, they have certain size. Why are not investing more? Because you know the the, the particularly in these times when when the economy is, is is tricky, right? And you really need to 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 generate revenue and reduce costs. Like why are I don't see a lot of people really investing in this technology. And I think it's a, the, of all the AI solutions that, that you can invest in, recommendation is, is, is one, or maybe the one that can provide more, more revenue and more value. So maybe, maybe, you know, maybe people realize, start realizing how powerful this is and maybe companies start investing more, uh, who knows? Right, right. Yeah, even even like even if the tag is not recommendation, I would say like even a part of recommendation is applied in a, everywhere, like even in information retrieval or ranking or yeah. like because we, we do a lot of in NLP and this is what we actually witness in that output solution. So we need the top results definitely to read or understand. So that is also a recommendation so that that we can actually feel the importance of that solution. Yeah. So coming on to the next question, like how can we maintain user privacy when collecting data for uh, recommendation system? Yeah, this is this is a very um, important topic. Um, so privacy, security, um, uh, safety. Um, for example, in in, in Microsoft uh, in particular, we we have a, a strong a group of people that their job is is, is basically responsible AI, right? It's ethical AI. So it's like we are looking at security, we are looking at privacy. Uh, there, there has been a lot of uh, content created. I, one of our presidents, Brad Smith, he he actually is like the chief legal officer, and and his main like a lot of his 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 job is is precisely that, right? How can we create AI that we can trust? How um, can we maintain the, the privacy of our users, the security, and, and at the same time, how can we um, be transparent of what we're doing? Now, in terms of privacy, the, um, one of the things that everybody or a lot of people respect is uh, GDPR. So, for example, GDPR in, in some cases, um, ha uh, doesn't allow people to uh, or companies to maintain uh, user data more than 30 days. So there are there are some internal practices that companies need to enable to to make that happen. Also, you need you need uh, a data officer and and some uh, components. Uh, also, some people uh, you as a user you can tell the, the company that you don't want to use your, your private information for, for recommendations, for example. So, so you know, there, is, there, there needs to be some, some mechanisms to enable that in, in the back end of, of, of the company, right? So you need to identify, okay, so these user, we cannot send them personalized recommendations, right? So another thing that a lot of people do is anonymizing the, the data. Right. When you when you have um, a, a recommendation solution, you can anonymize the data, and then that's another way of, of protecting the, the the data. 
and obviously the, the the security like you wouldn't believe you wouldn't believe like the the level of 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 seriousness that people at microsoft take when when they are creating products so we have like exams well not exams like like if if we if we want to launch a product we need to go through a process that that is is driven by many people in the company to make sure that the solution is secure and to make sure that the solution maintains privacy so you if you cannot launch a, a product like hey i i have this that's it now it's, it's impossible right you need to go through all this process takes a lot of time you need to explain how you're treating their data and another person is like okay but where are you taking this data from where to where is this secure is this in a in a secure environment so it's a very very long process and 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 it, you know people really take this seriously at least in microsoft which is what i know okay and um i think um there is this there is this um um uh, kind of kind of um thought that companies are are kind of getting their data to you know to use improve all the products and i know that in some companies they have done that and, and i think people have the right to to get out of of, of of this of these companies and it's very interesting because i mean you you some people might not believe me because obviously i am I'm, I'm from microsoft but it is something that that we don't do here and we don't do here because i, I think it, to me is is so stupid like so stupid and first of all i think the main reason like um we don't use data from customers from we don't misuse data is because like our culture is to to protect the user protect like if you I mean, if, if, if your customers, if you treat bad your customers, your customers are not going to come, right? So what is the, why are you going, like, what, that's, it doesn't make sense to, to do it, right? But the other thing that a lot of people don't know, a lot of people don't understand, is that um, if you know AI, particularly for, for people that know AI, sometimes it's, it's not, people think, okay, so I, I need to steal, I, uh, I, companies steal that data because with that data, they are going to get a lot of value. That's not true. That's not true. So sometimes stealing data is really stupid because it's, it's, it's kind of, you're hurting your reputation and then it's not that valuable. It's not that valuable, you know? So companies or, or people who like groups that steal data from users, I believe is the one of the most stupid things you can do. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. So recently, we had a discussion on uh, not not exactly related to the topic, but related to federated learning. So at yeah. that time, we were actually discussing the same crucial point, like how the centralization is actually happening and how we are not actually really capturing the data point, but we are actually sending that, what to say, the information which is required to make the system better instead of capturing the real data so yeah actually you highlighted the similar point actually yeah yeah so over to the next point so this is one of the topic which came recently in one of the 
like one of my earlier podcast uh, for this um, recommendation like so ideally there was something related to filter bubbles and like why or like how the uh, user is actually getting stuck in a filter bubble and how we are actually getting the same type of recommendation even in this form of song or media whatever it is so what actually causes this filter bubbles in recommendation and how we can mainly avoid them yeah yeah so basically the um, uh one of the things that that you know people need to understand is that uh, algorithms are stupid right so if you if if you if you take a person that is kind of i don't know like reading the news uh, one specific kind of news like sport news right i i only care about sport news and i only care about european football i don't care about basketball i don't care about i don't know cricket i don't care about you know football i only care about football now what is going to happen is that obviously the, in the, depends it depends on on your on your algorithm but most algorithms they are kind of uh, you know they have this greedy approach right so basically it's like okay if the algorithm has enough data the algorithm is going to output only uh, news about football and even you could even um, if 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 you don't do it right maybe you you can you can even have only news for your specific football team right only this so that that could happen that could happen now how can we avoid that one of the things that that uh, people can do is they can add a uh, diversity and serendipity to and introduce that to to the model at the end of the day the the model is it kind of works like any other machine learning model. The data is different, but there is an optimization process and there is a loss function. So the loss function is actually you you want to you want to reduce the error between the prediction and the and, and the and the real and, and the label, right? Um, and then typically it has some regularization terms. So these regularization terms, for example, you can add their diversity, which means that hey, if you're going to recommend ten news or fifteen news, maybe one in one of them, add something that is slightly different to the to, to the what the typical uh, user is. So, for example, I'm I'm interested I'm interested in, in football a lot. I like football, um, but for example, I also like tennis. So. There is, uh, if, if you guys have been following tennis uh, recently, there is uh, the U.S. Open, and it was, it was won by, by a Spanish person. So, uh, Carlos Alcaraz. So, the thing is, you know, a good recommendation system um, will be able to understand that myself, Miguel, I'm, I like football. I particularly like Spanish football. I also like tennis, not as much as football, but, you know, the guy who... The guy who won the, the U.S. Open was a Spanish guy, so probably I know this guy, right? So then, uh, interest a, a good recommendation system will be able to say, okay, so I'm going to recommend two or three uh, news of football, and then maybe the fourth one is about this guy, right? So that's how that's how you you break this this silo. I think that's with uh, you know like with um, um, 
adding adding these these losses or these regularization terms of diversity. The other thing I think is very very important is to analyze the data. Like one of the one of the problems I see uh, with data scientists is that they spend a lot of time creating the model, doing hyperparameter tunings, talking about attention mechanisms and, and diffusion stuff like deep learning stuff like that, and they put the model in production and they don't look at the results. I think it's very, very important to look at the results. And, and, and you, you, you start looking at the data and say, okay, so this is the recommendations that I made for this user. And the user didn't click at anything or the user clicked on this one, like why, right? So, or uh, for example, this is also uh, super common when, when you are doing a, a recommendation solution and you are not a, a subject matter expert. That, that actually happened to me before, before um, joining Microsoft. I was the, I was the founder of, of a, a company that we created recommendation solutions for, for the fashion industry. And I had no idea of, of how the fashion industry uh, worked. So basically what happened is that we, we partnered with, with the PMs and, and, and the uh, experts in fashion and we say, okay, so this is what our algorithm outputs. And basically it was, it was a visual recommender. So we, we output similar uh, visual items, right? And then, you know, I would say, I mean, like the algorithm was good, pretty good. And, and, and for me, these dresses were similar. And, the, and, the, and we remember the woman said, no, 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 no. This is this address for the morning and this address for the night. And I was like, okay, uh, I have no idea. Like, how do you know? And she's like, oh, it's, it's obvious. Like, like, yeah, because you know, you, you, this is this is for an and, and I was like, okay, we're we're struggling a lot because you know there is this this knowledge that you know for for people in the in the in the area was super logical and and makes a lot of sense. And for us, that we were just looking at pixels and 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 colors and textures. We are like, you know, I don't really know how, how to implement that in, in, in the algorithm. So that's why it's so, so important to, to partner with the subject matter experts and look at the data and, and not only, uh, not only, you know, get the algorithm, put it in production and, and that's it. Right, right. So, so, so same experience actually happened with me as well. Like I was really thinking about implementing something on correlation resolution and entity uh, relation and so and so but and we even recommended some solution but at the end whether that is actually helpful for the subject matter expert or not so i couldn't see him checking or agreeing to the ai by clicking that bookmark icon because it's not making sense for them ideally but yeah. in the back end we have all the fantastic stuff which we are really proud of but ultimately whether it's actually maybe Maybe a simple rule can actually make the difference. Okay, we need to show that link yeah. one or two below or one or two above. That definitely make really sense. So I can really understand the importance of uh, domain expertise there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and in fact, this is this is another very interesting point, which is a uh, business rules, uh, particularly when when you have a recommender in production. Again, what I said is uh, the the AI is stupid. So. Typical example, and, and again, this is this happening in retail a lot. So imagine you 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 go to a retailer and you you buy a coat, right? 
and you buy a couple of things more and then you bought the code in winter but now you're in summer right now the algorithm the algorithm typically is going to also recommend things with like other codes right because you bought a code but you know now uh, but what happens if now is summer you don't want you don't want this algorithm to to recommend something that you know on the winter if you're in summer right so that's when you can add a business rule. Business rules is, is a very good way to add human knowledge to to and, and filter the, the the solutions of the recommendation. The other typical business rule is uh, when something is not is is not in stock. Obviously, you don't want to recommend a product that that is out of stock, right? So these you know these uh, business rules or human in the loop. Um, constraints are so 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 important so important because I think a lot of people think that the AI is you know is is, is fantastic and and particularly when you have a um, when when you have a model in production and you want to solve a business problem right not is is not always is not always the best thing to rely on on this AI. particularly because you know this is not as as advanced as people might think, right? Maybe, maybe in five years we, you know, we don't need business rules. But today, it is safer, and and it, it will probably provide a, a better experience to your users if you have these business rules and and just kind of filter and and kind of get and remove all these results that make no sense and can can is is obviously hurt the experience of the user. Right, right. So, so in that particular regard, like there was one discussion related to the noise, noise stuff. So, uh, like the point which you mentioned at last, like okay, why, why can't we just remove that stuff which we know that it's noise? But then there is a question that why AI is not actually removing the noise? Why it is not deprioritizing that particular noise? So then there is a question yeah. of fight. There is a fight to the ranking for a noisy article as as well as a relevant article. And there may be some words or some vectors that are really similar that will actually have that kind of conflict there and the noisy article can go up but in that case if we just remove that noisy article with some very simple business rules and definitely that that problem is actually sorted so we, we we actually face this and it's very very crucial because that point is also very valid why ai is not filtering noise which it's a very yeah. straightforward question but yeah ai is ai is good but well, yeah, we need to. I think you know that that's one of the main differences in from academia to to companies, right? A lot of people that that you know that they are in in companies doing data scientists, they they come from academia. So in academia, you like nobody will consider to have something like business rules, right? Like you you want to you 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 want to create a, a solution that is as general as possible and, and as powerful as possible, right? And then what happens is that a lot of these researchers, I'm, I'm one case, right? They go to the industry. And in the industry, is like, I mean, you, you don't have to do research. You did research in academia, you are now in a product team, right? And I'm talking about, I'm talking about you know, academia, like, for example, uh, like, obviously, in, in companies like Microsoft, Google, they, they also have research groups. I'm talking about research versus product teams. So like the the 
In academia, what you want to optimize for is novelty or value for the scientific community, right? In, in, in a product team, what you want to optimize is value for the customer, value for your users. That's, and, and that's the mindset that a lot of people need to go through. That, and it's like, you know, sometimes you can, you can solve the problem with a SQL query. You don't have, you don't need to do distributed deep learning. Like, you know, I've seen that a lot. Like, try to provide value, like provide as much value to the customer as you can. And, and, and that's, that's, the, the, that's what I call applied AI. It's basically divided into two fields, right? Like applied AI versus research. So I think that's that's another interesting point of view that a lot of people uh, miss. Right, right. So over to the next particular point regarding the advancements in the algorithm. So like, how effective are these uh, trainings in terms of the value they generate, basically? So in um, in terms of, of value, well, we we have some metrics that are well known in the industry. One, one is the 35% of Amazon.com uh, uh, revenue. Uh, revenue uh, comes from, from the recommendations, 35%. Um, we also have um, Netflix, and I think it's around 80%. So 80% of the searches in, in Netflix, for example, come uh, from recommendation system. And uh, unfortunately, like a lot of companies don't share a lot of their, their, um, their information. Another one that is quite, quite famous is, is TikTok. TikTok, uh, their recommendation system, the recommendation system that, that they have is, is really, really strong. And um, I don't know, I don't know their metrics. So I'm really interested to, to know. But you know, I, I've seen I've seen a lot of systems that that can increase, for example, the, the revenue or, or click through rate in in substantial numbers, really really good numbers. Okay, okay, cool. So uh, when it comes to the implementation aspect, so what are the implementation procedures that should be followed for like large scale recommendation system? So I think um, the first of all, you have the the part of data acquisition that that is 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 not trivial. Uh, for that, typically you need a, a team of data engineers. You need to identify very well the uh, you know to identify the behavior and and the and the pattern of of each user the the, the the journey of, of the user and um, sometimes one of the problems that sometimes is that the if you acquire uh, data in the right way your data data set becomes huge so it's you know suddenly it's a big data problem right so then you have this this phase now the second part is you know the the modeling right a lot of people what they do is they use spark for uh, depending uh, depending on the kind of algorithm, right? If you are doing non-deep learning, so you you need to do a lot of feature engineering. So you need to 
hard, uh, hand code the, the features. And um, typically that's, that is done in, in, in Spark as well. And then once you have that, you have two options. Either go to uh, the machine learning model in, in Spark or machine learning model in, in a non-Spark environment like GPU, CPU environment, right? But if you go, obviously, if you, if you have Spark, you, you have this distributed training uh, by default. So a lot of people, just because it's easy to have just one environment, a lot of people just use Spark environment for everything, right? And some other people, what they do is they do the data prep in Spark, and then they move that data to another a CPU cluster or GPU, or GPU cluster, and they'll start doing uh, this retraining there. Now, if you do deep learning from scratch, then you don't have to do this handcrafted feature engineer engineering. And um, what some people do is they they do deep learning in Spark, but this has uh, this has some problems because you know like uh, the a lot of the code done in F for the deep learning libraries that it is designed for for gpus and not for java so so then there is there is a loss in performance like a really big loss in performance if you are doing this train uh, gpu training in, in spark but again um the, the good thing is that you, you you still have one system and that's kind of easier for for teams the other approach and is the approach that that i actually like the most is get the data you know data prep uh, in spark and then move that data to to a gpu cluster and then they, then do distributed deep learning in a in a gpu cluster and then that's i've seen that i i, I haven't seen that done a lot but i think that's kind of the the, the trend like when when teams start being more and more sophisticated I'll see that trend. And the reason is because, you know, research always lead in terms of uh, advances and algorithms, and then the industry follows, right? And and there is a lag. I, I see a massive lag between research and and the industry. And, and I think the best companies, what they try to do is they try to reduce this lag. And, and it's very difficult. It's very, very difficult. So right now, it's very clear that the... The, all the research is going through deep learning, is going through transformers. In a similar way that you know, transformers started with NLP and then they moved to, to uh, computer vision with the vision transformers. Now we're seeing that there, uh, there is several algorithms. Uh, actually, we have some of them in, in, the, in the recommended repository with transformers. Transformers for sequential modeling. Transformers. Um, there is one reason that is, is pretty interesting that it, it encodes the recommendation solution as text and then send that to, to a normal um, a transformer model, like uh, one of these uh, transformer with encoder and decoder and, and, and just produce a recommendation to that. So it's, there is a lot of mixture of knowledge between different areas of, of ML, like from NLP, in, in, from computer vision to, to recommendation systems. Okay. And then, you know, the, the last part, so that's the part of the, 
that's a part of the training. And then the last part is operationalization. That again, the operationalization is, is very, very complex. If you want to have um, a batch system or people use a batch system and, 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 and basically this is you, you compute the recommendation for a user, you start that, those recommendations on a data set and then you, uh, in, in production, you just do a query to, to the data set. So that, that's the batch recommendation. The real-time recommendation is you, you have the model in, in a, for example, in a Kubernetes cluster and, and, and the model scores in real-time. Um, and obviously, you know, having this model in real-time is, is not easy because you, you, need, you need to have a, a request time that is not, not high. So some people start are are using either small models, or uh, some people if if they if they use like deep learning models or very heavy models, they start using techniques like distillation, quantization, and all, all these techniques that basically helps the model to to be smaller and and, and quicker, right? Right, right. So recently, I think like they came up with the optimum, mainly and in mainly like. Uh, like I think they they had that Onyx format way back, but I think now it's become part of that optimization, and they came up with this Optimum library, which is which is very helpful in a way. Like, and that is one thing which I saw. And even they are quantizing all the data without losing much of a performance from the parent model. So one one interesting point which I actually found out is like. Uh, when you said about like the distributed so it's is it because like in like it, in, in it's the data engineering or that uh, data what to say processing part ideally like uh, uh, before going into the modeling side is it because the data which we are handling is always real time is that the reason why we are processing that during the like in the spark cluster itself every time like is that is that the safest way to handle that entire data i think it's more my my personal view is is that Spark Spark guys did an amazing job at enabling uh, people doing big data, right? Because if you if you um, if you start uh, using a a Spark cluster of any kind uh, in Microsoft, we have uh, Synapse. Uh, there are other providers like uh, Databricks, for example, and that also, you know, Microsoft will also have partnership with Databricks. Now, the the magic of that is that you know you can have a massive data set, and your your model is going to work. It's basically a, a matter of time, a matter of time, and a matter of how how bigger your how big your cluster is, right? And the problem is if you want to do that in a distributed CPU or GPU setup, you need to you need to build the distribute the distributed procedure. And it's very, very difficult. It's very difficult. I, I remember that I, I did uh, many years ago things related to distributed training with with uh something called MPI. Uh, basically what I, I remember that I had to I had to go for I you know, create a connection, SSH connection between my my edge uh, cluster and 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 the and the and each node, 
So basically, you know, I, I need to get the IP of each of the nodes, create an SSH connection, and then I say, okay, so this piece of data goes to this guy, this piece of data goes to this guy, and, and you know, like all that process is, is, is crazy. One of the things that, and I've seen a lot of advance, advancement in, 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 the rest, in recent years in this training. One library that I think is amazing, and again, it's not because I'm from Microsoft, I honestly think this library is amazing, it's called DeepSpeed. DeepSpeed is, uh, is a library from Microsoft Research. These are the guys that they have done uh, Megatron Turing, like uh, at the beginning of this year, there was a, a network of uh, NLP, NLP large language model of 500 something billion parameters. It was kind of the biggest uh, at, at, this, at this point. And they have this deep learning library for distributed training that is, is absolutely fantastic. And it enables to kind of very easily do all this with the training uh, reasonably free. But I think that's where the, the, the trend goes. The trend goes like there, the, there is a, a mismatch between the, the new deep learning algorithms that researchers are doing and how to enable these deep learning algorithms in the industry. And, and there, the, in my opinion, what, what people need to do or what we need to do is to create this spark for deep learning. Like, you know, something that is very, very simple. You, you don't care. Basically, it's like, I don't care if, if I have one cluster or if I have 10 machines. I don't care. I just want to train my model. If I have more data, I, I need more machines. So my, the experience for me as a developer, as a machine learning engineer, needs to be similar to Spark, which is fantastic, which is, you know, uh, I, go, I go to my environment in Spark, I press train, it takes, it takes one hour or whatever time, and then you see like, you know, like there is, is distributing the, the load in, in all these nodes, and then I get my result. That's what I want. And I see, I see a trend, and, and NVIDIA, for example, they are, they are doing an amazing job as well on this retraining on, on GPUs. Microsoft again is is fantastic. This team like is fantastic. I know I know some of them. And I work with some. I work with some of these guys, and I think that's that's a that's the trend going forward. So over to the next couple of aspects actually. So regarding the consequences. So like there was one uh, statement like this where it said, so recommendations do more than just reflect consumer preferences. They actually shape them. So in this regard, like like we, there is a component of responsible AI as well. So, what is your take on this statement? Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting view. Like, um, I I feel like like all every technology have a positive side and negative side. Well, maybe not everything, but obviously many of them, right? So, I mean, nuclear fusion. You can you can create a clean energy, or you can create a H bomb, a nuclear massive bomb, right? It depends on how you how you approach this. If if you use recommendation systems to help the user and to 
at the end of the day, what we are like, what we want to do in recommendation systems is to save time, right? So instead of going through mm, the 10,000 movies that Netflix have, right? What I'm going to do is I'm going to 10, 20, 50, right? I'm, you know, Netflix is giving me a good service because it's kind of filtering the results. Now, the bad thing is that if you mix recommendation systems with fake news and you use these fake news to influence, for example, uh, political behavior, so they vote for this specific candidate, then basically what you're doing is you are, you are using this AI technology for, for hurting, for, your, for the benefit of the political candidate or something, right? And it's very dangerous. And it's very dangerous. I think, uh, yeah, like, like propaganda, propaganda works. That's a fact. That's a fact. I think each of us as a, as a person, we need to be aware of the sources that, that we look at and we need to have critical thinking. And we need to understand that all of us are biased and that our, our brain can be hacked. And the thing is, you don't need, I mean, you don't need AI to, to do propaganda. Like they have been doing this for, for centuries, right? Now, but the problem is now AI systems can facilitate these, these fake news spread or a propaganda spread, right? So I think it's honestly very, very difficult. Is this actually one of the things that I'm really worried in terms of ethical AI. And, and, and that's why I think having these policies of ethical AI is so, so, so important because it can affect, it can affect, it can change, completely change the, the political scenario of, of, a, of, a, of a country. It, it can affect life. It can affect lives, right? So uh, like the only, in, in my opinion, the only solution is, is to, first of all, be aware that this can be this can be dangerous, and and uh, you know ask ask uh, people to you know to to have the the these these um, protections around your data, and 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 companies should be should be having this this ethical AI that and 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 have these these projects related to ethical AI to, to protect their customers and protect outside the world. Right. So my last question for today. Uh, so w what do you think the future of uh, recommendation system look like and where do you see all these developments and uh, research heading to? So I think... Um, the future of recommendation is that um, first of all is is the um, a lot of more more companies are going to are going to start um, using recommendation systems. So at the end at the end of the day, like if like if you're a company, you need to provide value to your to your customers, right? And the best way is to provide personalized value, right? So, like, what is the best, like, what is the best experience, the best experience that that Microsoft can provide? I, I can think, for example, like, if I want to buy something, imagine if I could have Satya Nadella, CEO of Microsoft, 
you know, giving me information of that, or Bill Gates giving me information of that, right? That, that, that's 100 out of 100, right? Obviously, you cannot, that, you cannot do that because Bill and Satya, they have their own things. But you can personalize, you can personalize the experience as much as, as possible, right? So that's, that's why I think recommendation system is going to experience a, an, an, incredible, an incredible growth. So that's that's the that's the first that's the first thing the growth the, the adoption I I think a lot of people a lot of people a lot of companies they understand the the you know the importance of personalizing but they are not investing enough enough so what is I think we're going to see more and more investment and we're going to see more and more sophisticated recommendation systems and more personalized solutions so at, at the end it's like it's going to be a, a win-win. Like the the user is going to get a better service, and the company is going to is going to to improve the the revenue and 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 and, and you know they can invest reinvest more. It's like a, a virtual circle, right? In terms of um, technical stack, I would say there needs to be um, Teams that can work together, like data scientists or machine learning engineers, plus data engineers, plus uh, deployment engineers, operationalization engineers, right? Like all, all the all the MLOP cycle of of the machine learning needs to be needs needs to be better, right? It needs to it needs to improve. And um, and then the third thing is closing the gap between what the researchers are doing and what the industry can provide to to, to people right um, and, and and the only way in my opinion the only way is is to for for products team and, and this is something that that I do and, and I, I I work a lot on is be close to the researchers be close to the researchers like Hey, every now and then, I, I, some, some of my colleagues is like, hey, uh, what are you doing? Like, what's the last thing? Like, can you send me the last paper that that you that you have done? Um, you know, the, I, I think that's that's the key, and that's how you can you can create a lot of value, better value, and as a company, that's how you can get ahead of of the competition. Great, great. So that that covers all my question for today, Miguel. And uh, thank you, thank you so much for being here with me today and uh, like discussing all these important topics related to recommendation system. I personally learned a lot from this conversation. Actually, it was really inspiring to actually understand the entire stretch of how it's actually being built and how it's being deployed. So it's really great to hear from you. And uh, thank you, thank you very much, Miguel. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you.